I want to read for us the Christmas story told by the biblical author Luke. Select verses in chapters 1 and 2. It says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great, be called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule Jacob's house forever no end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son old as she is? Everyone called her barren, and here she is six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me, just as you say. Then the angel left her. About that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the hostel. There were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angel stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. 
they left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. The sheep herders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything that they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they'd been told. Well, church, as we continue to worship, we would invite you to stand and sing with us as we talk and sing about that exact same night and that event that Eric spoke about. Let us sing about that glorious night. Oh, holy night. Yeah. 
may be seated. You know, I reflect back and think of what it might have been like that holy night. And uh, we sing that song, probably one of the greatest, uh, most loved carols of Christmas, thinking about that holy night. But yet, I really don't think if we were there, we might not have thought it was really a holy night. In fact, it was probably pretty much an ordinary night. An ordinary night with ordinary people in an ordinary village, in an ordinary barn or stable or cave or whatever they were in. It was an ordinary night, but you know, it just wouldn't sound near as beautiful singing, oh, ordinary night. (laughs) The stars are brightly shining. It's just the night. When some little kid was born, you know, it it just, it it, it wouldn't be, it probably wouldn't make the hits of the top songs that we'd we'd be singing. But we we come together and we say, we come because this is an, an ordinary night that in the middle of the night became very extraordinary. In fact, these ordinary town and people and villagers and overcrowded because of the census and this, this baby that was born in a very unordinary, underordinary uh, location, a stable, a manger, a cave. We look back and we say, what was so special? Because it was just an ordinary night. Ordinary for a group of men called shepherds. How do you get any more ordinary than that? Out on the hillside, these ordinary shepherds, tending their sheep, wanting anything but excitement. When you're a shepherd at night, you don't want excitement, right? Excitement is bad most of the time. It's danger. It's a predator. It's something that is really not welcome into your world. And so it's it's in this ordinary night, this ordinary people, that the extraordinary happens. And the passage that Pastor Eric read for us in Luke chapter 2 explains what broke in, what was extraordinary, what was bringing chaos now into what was a calm night. And it says this, and there were in the same, same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now you look at that and you say, wow, yeah, that is going to make what was an ordinary night a little bit chaotic. It's going to take an ordinary night and make it extraordinary. Here are the shepherds in the fields around Bethlehem. All of a sudden this angel shows up and it says they were what? Sore afraid. Now we don't use that term much. This is the King James. But that sore afraid means they're really afraid. (laughs) In fact, it means they're terrified. They're terrified at what they're seeing. And so the angel responds with the words that we know so well. These two simple words, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. I don't come here to harm you. Fear not. I'm here as a messenger. Fear not. You know, that is the command that is given the most times in the Bible than any other command. 
Start adding up the commands, start looking through them, and you, you find all kinds of commands through the Bible. But fear not or do not be afraid is given more than any other command. I've read a few times where it says there are 366 times in the Bible, one for every day of the year and one leap year. You can find either fear not or do not be afraid. If you go and if I went and did a word search in the King James Version, just fear not, just fear not, those two words themselves was like 330 times. And so you see this, this, this call to people because we tend to have fears in our lives. In fact, the, the Greek word that's used here for these fears is phobeo. Phobeo, you, we get the word phobia from that. This morning, we, we think about what kind of fears we may have, what, what we may have carried into this room this morning, and, and you know all about fears, the common fears, the fear of flying, fear of speaking in public, the fear of heights, the fear of dentists, and one that I really knew grow up, growing up, I didn't know this was a fear, but I really do now, the fear of clowns, <laughs> yeah, some of you know what I mean about the fear of clowns. You know, those are, those are the big, some of those big fears that, that we might have in our lives. But then when we start thinking about the world around us, the fears even grow more. How about North Korea? You know, I was just reading through the news this morning, and the UN passed a, a resolution yesterday that was criticizing North Korea. And they, they said today that they consider that a declaration of war. And so we, we have this fear, what's going to happen in our world? The fear of ISIS or terror. We've read the news this week about people planning Christmas attacks right here in the United States. And we have this fear that grips us. And we say, I just hope I'm not part of that. I, I hope the world's safe. And it's a fear. The fear of cancer. We've been struck by that in our community, in our church. Very, very real the past few weeks. The fear of Alzheimer's. Oh, I don't, I, I hope that's not my, my lot. The fear of crime. You know the fear of death. We experience the fear of death. You know, I read this week too, maybe you did, that for the first time in many years, for two years in a row, the average lifespan of an American has decreased. That's amazing. But the thing is, it's not because the old are dying earlier. It's because our young men and women are being cut down in their prime by opioids, drugs, addiction, things that we look at and we fear, not, not only for ourselves, but for our children, for our grandchildren. Retirement. Some of us fear, I don't have enough to make it. I won't be able to buy health insurance. Maybe there won't be any health insurance. What's going to happen this year with health care? How about education? Going to college, going to high school, going to grad school. It can be very scary. Rejection. You know, it's been talked about several times over the last years, or, or the, the, the polls come out, and they found out the youth in America, what do you fear? Most of them fear that something bad is going to happen to their family. Something bad is going to happen to my family. And so, based on all of this, based on what the angel would say, and looking at this Advent season, this anticipation of, of Christ coming, and now this Christmas season that we start to celebrate today, um, we've been 
we've been looking at what we might want less of and more of this Christmas season. I think we could probably agree that one thing we could use less of is less fear. Less fear. You know, our fears, if we, if we admit it, we, we all have fears, but they, they, they range from a, a, a queasy uneasiness. You have that kind of fear? Just eh, something's not quite right. To, to a fear that is totally complete and overwhelming anxiety. And, and it really stops us in our tracks. It causes panic. It causes stress. And I think that must really be the case. Well, I know it's really the case for parents, which is why I think I admire Joseph and Mary so much. Here are two parents that are in the midst of what we would call chaos. It was, it was an impossible situation that they were totally out of control. They, 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 had, they had no control in the situation. They had no control about the future, what was going to happen. They had no say in it. And it, to, the, to me, it would be an impossible situation. Even if God had come and was doing what he said, during these months, there would be times where they'd be facing ridicule and shame. People would think that Mary's either a liar or she must be a liar. They're thinking Joseph is either a liar or he's a fool for believing Mary. And so they're looking at this, and the fear that starts happening, what is going to happen to us? What's going to happen in our world? And that fear is real. And the fear we deal with every day is real. In fact, the American actor, Kevin Bacon, someone I don't usually quote a whole lot in a sermon, (laughs) he says this, I really believe that all of us have a lot of darkness in our souls. Anger, rage, fear, and sadness. I don't think that it's only reserved for people who have horrible upbringings. I think it really exists and is part of the human condition. I think in the course of your life, you figure out ways to deal with it. Bacon does not believe in God, he believes God does not exist. But he's kind of got a pretty accurate description of the human condition. Darkness in our souls and anger and fear, rage and sadness. He's got that right. But what he misses is how we deal with it. How are you going to deal with your fear and your anger? He says it's up to us to work it out. How's that working for us? <laughs> How's that working for our country? How's that working for our nation? How's that working for our families? How is that working for those caught in human trafficking and and caught in addictions? How is that working out when we try to deal with our darkness and our fear by working it out? I I was amused. It was a couple years ago during our Global Leadership Summit. Uh, Pastor Bill Hybels, very famous and, and successful pastor of the Willow Creek Church in Chicago, was telling the story about him being a young man and going skiing for the first time. He went skiing, and he realized he really liked it. So he went home and told his dad. He says, Dad, I really like it. I'd kind of like to get good at it. A few days later, his dad came to him, gave him an envelope, and the envelope was train tickets from, Col- from Chicago to Colorado, and, and reservations at a, at a motel, a hotel there at the, at the slopes. And he says, here you go. 
go and learn. He said, oh, there's only two things. He said, figure it out and don't call me. <laughs> figure it out and don't call me. So young Bill got to the train station, got all the way to Colorado, found out that the slopes were 40 miles away from where the, bus, the train left him off. So he figured out a way to get from the train station to the slopes. Figured out a way to get up to the top of the mountain, which was a 12,000-foot mountain. Looked down and said, what do I do now? <laughs> and his words of his dad went through his mind, figure it out. And he figured it out, and he went down and made it down. He learned how to ski. He got home. Bill was 11 years old. 11 years old. Don't try that today, parents. That was over 50 years ago. You will end up on the news. But I, but I will say this. Bill says today that that probably is a good reason why he spent some time in counseling and therapy. <laughs> He was told to figure it out. And, and we come as, as people into this world, and, and even Bacon admits that we have a dark soul, and we got fear and, and all this in our lives, and, and to figure it out on our own. Well, maybe we can figure out how to get from here to Colorado. But how do we feel, how, to, how we can deal with this, with this anger in our souls, this fear in our souls? How can we deal with this rage and, and, and sadness in our souls? How do we deal with this darkness in our soul? The thing is, we can't. We cannot deal with that on our own. And we see around the world the results of people trying to deal with that on their own. The addiction, the lostness, the terror in our lives. Figure it out. How's that working for us? Billy Graham said a few years ago, he says, our world today is so desperately hungers for hope. Yet uncounted people have almost given up. There is despair and hopelessness on every hand. Billy Graham says what the Bible says. We can't find that on our own. Left to our own, we have no hope because we have no way of dealing with the darkness. We have no way of dealing with the terror. We don't have no, any way of dealing with the anger in our souls. And he says... We have a world then who desperately hungers for hope. He didn't end that quote there, though. After he said there is despair and hopelessness on every hand, he says, let us be faithful in proclaiming that that hope is Jesus. That hope is Jesus. In light of what Billy Graham has to say, in light of what the Bible has to say, and in light of what Christmas tells us, I would suggest this morning maybe we need less fear and more hope. And more hope. That's Advent. That's what Christmas is all about. That's about a little baby who came into the world to bring us hope in the midst of our fears, hope in the midst of our darkness, hope in the midst of all that plagues humanity. J.I. Packer, theologian, says this, the Christian, Christian message that there is a hope for a ruined humanity. Hope for pardon. Hope for peace with God. Hope of glory. Because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born in the stable so that 30 years later, he might hang on a cross. 
Pastor Eric, the first words out of his mouth when he started his prayer, I'm sorry, I stopped in the middle of your prayer and I started writing in my Bible. Because your first words were, God, you have not left us to our own devices. Not left us to figure it out. He had no idea what I was preaching on this morning. God did not leave us to our own devices. He didn't leave it for us to figure out. He said, here, I bring you the answer. And on Christmas, the story, as Packer says, the hope of pardon, the hope of peace, the hope of glory. We just sang the song, O Holy Night, and in it was the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope. In the midst of this chaotic night, the ordinary night, this hope, this thrill came that we can have hope in Jesus Christ. You know what it is to have just that little thrill of hope when you're in complete despair. There is that little thing inside you that says, all the Browns might win today. (laughs) There's There's that thrill of hope. We have a thrill of hope that there could be a cure, that there could be freedom from addiction. We have a thrill of hope of restoration. And we have the thrill of hope of eternal life. N.T. Wright has a book I have in my, in my uh, library. says, Surprised by Hope. Jesus Christ came at a time when everything seemed hopeless. And he has given us eternal life, hope. Hope came that night. Hope came. Hope came because so, we couldn't figure it out on ourselves. No way. But God reached down and he said, I have given you hope. You see, the angel's message did not end at fear not. It goes on and says this, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The good news is you do not have to figure it out on your own. Good news, Christ has brought hope into this world. A Savior which is Christ the Lord. And according to Packer and according to the scripture and what we read, this hope comes because Jesus Christ, God, came into this world and for one purpose, for 30 years later, dying for you and for me to give us hope, hope for eternity. And if God says this morning, if you can trust me for your eternity, if you have hope for all eternity, you spend eternity with me, can you trust me? Can you have hope in this life today? And those who have accepted him, those who have received him, says, yes, 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 I have hope today. Because Jesus Christ loved you so much, he came and gave his life for you. First John chapter 4 tells us this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Jesus came with perfect love. That was perfect love laying in there at manger. That was perfect love exhibited for 30 years. That was perfect love hanging up on the tree. And he came to give hope for you. Because there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Fear has been replaced by love. So this morning, I don't know what kind of despair, what kind of fears you brought into the service, or what kind of fears you're carrying into your holiday season. But right now, Jesus is calling and saying, hey, I I have hope for you. I have hope for you. No matter what situation you're in, if you can trust me for your future, if you can trust me for eternity, you can trust me for tomorrow. You can trust me. Pastor Jim LaFoon says this. 
He says, if you have been reduced to God being your only hope, then you're in a good place. If God is your only hope, and you come in this morning and say, I'm in despair. I, in fact, my hope right now is hanging by a thread. If that's where you are this morning, you're in a good place. Because God is reaching out, and he has reached out to us. And he's reached out to us 2,000 years ago by bringing that little baby, that hope, into the world. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And he's the hope of your world and my world. And it's personal. He said it's good for all people. You know, according to Bacon, we all got to figure it out ourselves. Every, you've got to figure it out. You've got to figure it out. You've got to, we, we're all on our own to figure it out. And this, this, this tells us, no, it's for everybody. It's for all people. God has figured it out. He's offered the solution. He says, I have brought hope into the world. Will you accept it? Will you believe it? That was a hopeless, impossible out of control situation for Mary and Joseph. But you know what the angel's words were to Mary? Nothing's impossible with God. No matter what your situation is, nothing's impossible. He came to bring hope. He came to bring hope. You know, there's one more thing that I notice when I read that quote from Bacon. He said, I really believe that all of us have a lot of darkness in our souls. Well, that's true if we haven't received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But Jesus came to get rid of that darkness. And first, verse John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the last candle we light this morning is the Christ candle. Because he came to bring light into darkness. The darkness that's in our soul that Bacon recognized is a darkness that can be driven away by the light of Christ. The light that brings hope to a hopeless situation. This morning, today, what's your fears? What's your fears? You probably remember the famous saying, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. Well, we have nothing to offer but hope. A hope of an eternity with the Heavenly Father. A hope of an eternity with God. And a hope that that same God wants to walk with you every step of the way today in the midst of your addiction, in the midst of your broken families, in the midst of your illnesses, in the midst of your financial circumstances. Those fears that we have about the future are met in thee tonight. That little chorus that we sing, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and the fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The light of the world has come to bring hope. We'll ask those who are helping light candles come at this time.
Would you grab your candle? And we're going to worship him. And this morning, we're going to take our light from the Christ candle. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And we're going to worship him. And we're going to spread this light. Actually, the light doesn't do a lot of good if you hold it to yourself. Billy Graham says, let's be faithful in proclaiming the hope that is in Jesus. I call that light sharing. Let's share the light. Would you stand with me? We're going to... We're going to pass the light around. We're going to sing. And remember as you sing, Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, the light of the world, the hope for you and me.
Let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you and ask that you would speak to us through this simple message, through the words that we've heard through music. And Lord, if there are those this morning that have come in despair and hopelessness, Lord, may we not leave these doors knowing that there is hope through Jesus Christ. There is hope through accepting you as Lord and Savior for following after you for being obedient to your ways. Lord, we're grateful that this Christmas we can celebrate that hope into the world. Go with us now as we leave this building. Help us, Lord, to share this light with the world around us that it's in darkness and trying to figure it out. Lord, may we share that answer, that good news. Jesus Christ to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you blow out your candles, watch you hold them up real high, everybody. Get a good look at it. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? The light of the world, one light can make a difference. One light can make a difference when you carry it into your place of work, into your home, into your schools, wherever you may go. Carry this light. Be a representative. Be a light sharer. Because where there is light, there is no darkness. There is no darkness. You can blow out your candles. Thank you again for being here with us this morning. If you don't have a regular church home, we are here every Sunday, 9, 30, and 11. You're welcome to come join us. But go, and uh, can we just have on three, Merry Christmas, all right? Ready? One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You're dismissed. Thank you.